and we are recording. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and six one since that matters, and what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Episode 888, I think. 888. With Don Albrock, who hasn't been on here since, I think, episode 301. So, I don't know what that says about me. If it's if it's good that after all this time he'll still come back or if it's bad that you like to put a 500 episode cushion in between your appearances. I don't know if that's good or bad, but, um, the benefit of being retired. Yeah. That's also, that's also, it's just like, screw this kid. I don't, I don't give a shit. I'll, I'll get around to it when I get around to it, which is the most yeah. probable answer. But, um, for all future listeners, today is Monday, August 22nd, 2022. And uh, I thought of you when it first happened, the, the Mar-a-Lago raid, because you were part of an FBI SWAT team for I'm not sure how many years, but we did two back-to-back episodes about that and with pictures involved, and it was awesome, and it was a walkthrough, and I saw so many people with their their hot takes about it, but no one really knew what was going on, and I think for the most part, we probably still don't really know what's going on, so instead of just being like everyone else and giving my hot take i was like i'm gonna try to like i'm gonna try to get on the closest to i can the closest to a professional that i can get to and really concerning this particular thing would be you so for all of the new listeners which is probably most of them since it's been since episode 300 don please introduce yourself well i'm don albrecht i'm a retired fbi agent i have 28 years on the job um as i was in san diego new york and Kansas City, retired out of Kansas City over 10 years ago. And, uh, and, and Tommy's right, I did about 25 years of SWAT program, but, uh, you know, FBI agents also, besides SWAT, we also do our investigations as well. So most of my time was spent working violent crime. I did a little bit of everything, but um, I always rotated back to that. And uh, uh, basically, uh, that's pretty much I, and with, with mixed in with training, things like that. But but that's uh, my career just been as a street agent. I never rose past the level of journeyman GS 13, uh, you know, special agent. I, I liked, liked that position, stayed right there and uh, never went into management. And, and kind of when I would see why uh, a lot of times we, people don't like to go into management, but uh, for various reasons. But we we do. We've always had a problem with management the FBI. So it's a um, it's an ongoing problem. Probably true of almost any large organization, but um, but I when when Tommy asked me to to do this, I said yeah, sure. Why? Not? I don't know anything anybody else knows. I mean, I know anything more than anybody else knows. I know exactly what I'm I'm reading on the news. I mean, people send me things. I'm reading things. I'm watching things. Um, I've been trying to keep myself abreast of it, and, um, and this is not the way the FBI operates, uh, in my experience. Okay. Um, it's been a, um, uh, when I heard this, I'm going, what could they possibly have that's so important they have to do a search warrant? And then when I, the more I found out about it, it was, you know, they said, oh, I had nuclear secrets and things like that. I go, you know, 
I think, the, you know, if it was safe with the president, uh, with, with President Trump when he was president, I think they're probably still safe with him. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know all the ins and outs of the legal, legal aspects of that. So as we, as we know, we found out, we got more and more things have uh, come to uh, fruition here. We're going, well, this doesn't really sound like something that should have been handled in the search warrant. But, you know, what do we know? We, don't, we haven't seen the affidavit yet. I hear that's going today. I hear they're going to release it. Um, in fact, the judge that signed the warrant, who said, you know, there was some talk that maybe he should have recused himself. Well, actually, uh, he uh, actually uh, is the one who actually released the warrant. So, so he's, um, I don't know if he's just saying it's looking uh, as a crystal ball, seeing what's coming, but he's, uh, I think he's got to let this out. I mean, for the, for the good of the country, you got you to gotta let everybody know exactly what was the predication for this. Was there a predication? Was it was it uh, was it worth doing a search warrant for? I mean, this is this is unprecedented. Unprecedented. You never would do something like this. I mean, without the highest levels of approval. You, yeah. You, we we can't we can't do anything of a political nature like this without DOJ uh, involvement. Yeah. And um, somebody had to give the green light, and and I it had to be people at the White House had to be informed of this because it's FBI agents are. They're, they're uh, we're aware that some of our cases, if they're national level cases, uh, they get briefed to the president, and because the president wants to know what's going on out there, especially anything to do with national security or any anything earth shaking that's going to impact his administration or her administration in this case. But well, I guess it is his administration. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but the uh, but yeah, you can't tell me they didn't know about this. You yeah. know that this would have to be something that that and, and guys like me uh we're looking at this going like we can't i can't look at anything in the past 10 years it seems like ever since i retired and even before that a little bit i don't recognize some of the stuff that's going on we would have we would have been fired for stuff like this uh certainly maybe even prosecuted i mean i certainly disciplined for things that have been going on because we have policies for all this stuff and you don't violate policies. Well, agents aren't allowed to violate policies. They're punished. But it seems like when uh, you know, upper management, um, certain members of upper management, when they, uh, they violate policy, it's, uh, well, they're doing it for the good of the FBI, good of the country. Everybody thinks they're going to save the country. And uh, we have those policies in place for a reason. And, and then when we start violating them, we see what happens. So, uh, you, know, just to, you know, just to kind of sum up, I mean, I, all the people I talk to are scratching their head. They, you know, they may, may or may not be Trump fans, but they don't understand how this could possibly happen because of the chilling effect it has on politics throughout the throughout our country. I mean, you're you just can't attack your you can't use the levers of government to attack your, your opponent, your former opponent, your future opponent, whatever it is. That's what banana republics do. So. I'd say I don't I don't know I, I don't know any more than I've seen in the news, but this will all shake out, I'm sure. But it does look pretty bad. So So the affidavit's coming out today. I heard it was ruled that they're going to release it today. Release it. I, I, to put it this way, they're going to release it. Don't know when that's gonna be. I it depending on who you talk to, who you listen to, uh the FBI doesn't want to release because there's sensitive uh, methods and 
and uh, sources in there, and that's always a big deal. And yeah, that is legitimate. Sure, uh, that's a legitimate. Then they'll redact things. And uh, but on the other hand, um, you know, you should have known that going in that you, this would be a a huge deal. Right? I mean, <laughs> oh, come on. I mean, I can't I can't understand how anybody in the right mind thought this was going to be this was not going to be a huge deal. I mean, because this is, like I said, it's unprecedented. I've never read anything like this. And I've read a lot of books about the history of the FBI. Nothing like this has ever happened before. So this is uncharted territory. So I I don't know what's going to happen there. But I hope I hope the affidavit when they they get it out, shed some light on it. Honestly, it sounds like a, a civil dispute. It should have been handled administratively between the National Archives and I mean, it's not a question of, you know, I've heard some stuff talk about, uh, you know, Trump is being investigated under the Espionage Act. Well, you know, that gives the connotation that he's spying. Well, well, that's nonsense. The Espionage Act is a very wide act. I mean, mishandling classified information is investigated under the Espionage Act. I might add, Hillary Clinton was investigated under the Espionage Act for uh, for the same, uh, some issues with handling classified material she wasn't the president um she uh, you know i think that was a clear violation of uh, law there and uh, but well james comey saw it differently which don't get me started on that that's that's a another thing that's never happened in the fbi either where, where an fbi director just says oh we're not going to prosecute well i got news for him it ain't up to him it's yeah. up to the department of justice we don't we don't make those calls but it's uh but this whole thing with trump though i i can't imagine what what criminality there is there. Um, and of course, there's the uh, speculation that they're, they're, they went on a fishing expedition looking for uh, nine or, or um, uh, January 6th stuff. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, um, I've been on search warrants before and yeah, you find something that's, that's uh, evidence of a crime, you take it. Plain view doctrine, okay? I mean, in the course of a search, if you find you're searching for dope, you find a dead body. Well, you know, that's evidence. Okay. So it's, even though it's not a search warrant, you know, so it's a, it is uh, something that they can legally do. But I think if most people say this is something that should never have risen to the level of a search warrant. And if they, if it comes out that they used this predication of this national archive dispute as, as the, basis for a search warrant and then to go in there to to find things about january 6th i don't think that's going to fly you know in a court of law i think that's going to be i think that's going to have a problem at least certainly can be challenged and you know i don't honestly i don't know what they're going to find regarding january 6th i i know i think that i think that's been pretty much overblown but a serious serious event but i don't know that there's that trump really has any culpability and, and, you know, yes, um, full, di- full disclosure for people, people that don't know. I, I actually did security for Donald Trump when he was uh, a candidate for uh, in 2015. In 20, and then 2016, I worked on the campaign at, for security. I wasn't like, you know, working as a campaign guy. I was a, I worked for security for him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I like Trump. You know, it's not, I'm not one of these guys that just, you know, I'm a fanboy and thinks he can't do anything wrong. Of course not. I don't, I don't, I'm not that, I don't have, I don't feel like that way about anybody except maybe John Wayne. Yeah. You know? I, don't feel that, I don't feel that way about a single person on this planet. No, but, that's for sure. Yeah. But yeah, 
but yeah, you you did work on his, his campaign uh, for security detail. What's uh? So what happens when? I remember when I was little because I was a you know a normal child. I used to think about what would happen if like like uh, our Secret Service started fighting with like the Pope's security detail. Would they like if the if the president punched the Pope, like? Would the Pope's security detail then attack the president? And then would the Secret Service have to attack them? And these are the things I'd think about when I was like seven or eight, like a, like a normal kid. But um, but this is, I guess, kind of coming to fruition. What happens when the president's Secret Service, which they all have for life, is approached by an armed-to-the-teeth uh, FBI raid? But, well, they, 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 you know, this is, like I said, this was all done legally mm-hmm. and, uh, it went through a court of law you know, so that the process they I'm, I'm sure, let me rephrase that they used a legal process to a- access trump's residence for the purpose of the search you know the search warrant process in a court of law perfectly legal however whether or not that the, the predication for that search warrant was valid that remains to be seen uh, many, many times you uh, you have a search warrant and they'll uh, they'll they'll contest it all right away. Immediately, defense is going to contest the grounds of the search warrant being uh, you know weak. Uh, should it was an illegal search because it was not uh, you know th- this was in- inaccurate information or was downright lies or it was uh, uh, you know was was not did not reach the level required to uh, get a search warrant. And of course, the judge makes that determination. That does stop the defense to the defense from, uh, you know, going ahead with an attack on the on the affidavit and the support and the, and the support for the search warrant. But in a case like this, the agents that were there, the uh, they were told they're serving a search warrant, and um, they're you know I don't know what they were told, but you know if they were if they were told, hey, we're going to serve the search warrant, and and it's a it's a ruse just to get in there to look around, see what we can find. So tear everything apart and you find anything incriminating, take it. I think most agents go, well, wait a minute. That doesn't sound legal to me. Okay. And so, and, and you know, that's the one thing about FBI agents. We're real keen on what's legal and what's not because we don't want to go to jail. And there's nobody, we found out, usually find out when you're young, there ain't nobody worth protecting except yourself. And so it's a, especially an organization like the FBI where we're held to a a legal standard, okay, then we have to keep that in mind with everything we do. Now, if somebody up the line decides, and usually it's got to come from up above, if somebody says, no, we're going to do this, and they they make up some, fabricate some, you know, uh, justification for it, well, the agents are bound to go, you know, to do it. I mean, unless they have some smoking gun saying, you know, this is a fraud, uh, they're going to, they're going to have to comply with their orders. I mean, we, you know, otherwise you're, you're in violation of your, uh, you know, you're, you're charged with subordination, right? So unless you have something and, and anybody could, can voice a uh, disagreement. I mean, it's not, you know, I've many times I've been in uh, briefings for search warrants and agents ask questions. We go, well, what about this? What about that? How do you know this? You know, why, you know, there's all sorts of things that we challenge, ahead of time. And that's stuff that any good uh, investigator would do. Any good case agent would probably ask the same questions when they're, when he's probably the one getting the search warrant though. But you don't want to get blinded by your uh, zeal to get the bad guy. You have to uh, make sure that you weigh all the factors and 
and uh, and do it appropriately. Because if you don't, if you do it, if you do it wrong, it's going to come back to bite you in the ass. And so we're kind of we're pretty aware of that. Usually, some people are in um, inexperienced uh, quite often make mistakes like that. But but getting back to your question, you know, you bring a legal process like that to the, to the Mar-a-Lago. Uh, they didn't just knock on the door and say, "Hey, good morning, Secret Service. We have a warrant." They believe me. This was all this was all handled at the highest levels. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure the director of the FBI called over to the director of the Secret Service, and and that information flowed downward. When I don't know, maybe the night before, maybe maybe that morning, I don't know. But uh, that was all coordinated. And when you know, I'm sure they had. I wouldn't be surprised if they had legal representatives uh, from the Secret Service and the FBI on hand looking at the warrant saying, okay, you know, they pres- the FBI presents the warrant, um, you know, some uh, guy, he may, could have been the agent uh, heading up the search or could have been some attorney that came with him, I don't know, from the FBI, but he would present that, say, to a Secret Service attorney. And, you know, that stuff probably would all been handled way ahead of time. And mm-hmm. so when they knock on the door there, they're not going to have to, like, hold the warrant up and show, them, show it to them. They're just going to have to you know, basically all they do is show you the cover page anyway and yeah. say, yeah, here it is. And then I hear all these stories like they didn't let the uh, Trump's attorneys in and that's problematic. So uh, there's, there's all kinds of issues here that I think um, we're yeah. going to hear more about in the next few weeks. And the rating team wanted, yeah, that's they, another, they wanted the they, camera system turned off. Yeah. I heard that. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't good. know that, that I, if I was doing Doesn't that, look great. Want, <laughs> I don't want, I don't like being filmed any more than anybody else. Does. Yeah, sure. But, but, uh, and here I am. But yeah. But yeah. Yeah. But, but, you, you <laughs> but, can't. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's, but that's, it's not, you, your you, house, gotta, you gotta you know? be held right. to a high standard. If you're right. carrying out an FBI raid on a former president's home, like, yeah, you don't want to be videotaped, but it's like, you know, Right. What this is the highest that? threshold to be held to. Well, if you know you're on camera, you're going to behave uh, by the book, you know, and that's I good. Do. So that's what we want. And, and so it's uh, I don't see it as a big issue. I, I'd be surprised if anything came out of that, you know, with the film. Uh, you know, they're probably going to say, now, what were you doing in that room? You know, you know, what, the scope of the search warrant is this and this is well beyond it. And the trouble was the, the search warrant was very broad from what I hear. Uh, what I, I read only the, the cover page. It, it appears very broad. That's usually a problem in court. Uh, courts like specificity. What exactly are you looking for and why do you think it's here? Okay, because we're violating somebody's house. We're going in. That's a, a huge violation of somebody's Fourth Amendment rights. You just don't go into somebody's house without their permission or without good legal cause. And so they have to justify um, going into Trump's just just average guy going into my house they have to they have to justify that we think Don Albrecht is in possession of evidence that will lead uh, prove that uh, he's involved in criminal activity or or whatever and um, we believe that these these following documents are and similar documents like that are are there and uh, and they and those documents would you know prove the elements of the crime and therefore uh, we're going to search for those documents now Again, if you come across, you know, evidence of counterfeiting or something like that or, or a drug operation, that's all that's all valid evidence. Mm-hmm. But but it has to be you, you know, you can't. Uh, the, the example is it's like like I did a lot of fugitive work. OK. And um, we when we had a search warrant for a fugitive, 
that's to look for a person, okay? And you're you're you go into a house, yeah, you can look under beds and you can look in closets, but you can't open drawers and you know and and little look go into boxes and suitcases and briefcases and and go through personal papers. That's not part of it, okay? There's there there is a there's a time and place for that when you're trying to conduct an investigation to locate a fugitive. That's different. Well, that depends on what your search warrant says, but but when you got a search warrant for a body, meaning I need to find Joe Blow wanted for you know murder or whatever, then um, I go to a house. All I can do is look in places that a human being can hide, and so and that, it, you'd be surprised where people can hide sometimes. But but that's where I'm limited to. And likewise, if you're looking for something very small, well, then you can like you know documents. You can look everywhere for documents, but there comes a time where every place they look is going to be challenged. I mean, you know, what, you know, the, especially if they were, if they were classified documents, they, they, they were supposed to be secured. And if it turns out they were all secured properly, appropriately, then I don't know what the issue is, honestly, but, but the, um, yeah, I've, I've heard all kinds of stories. I mean, about, um, perhaps they were looking for documents because you remember Trump had declassified all the information regarding the, the Russian collusion hopes and all that. And um, he had all those documents. So were they going in for that? I don't know. Not, now, just to get the, I mean, that's all, that's all matter of public record. I mean, it's not out in the public arena, but it's all part of FBI investigations in their case files. All that stuff's still there. So the fact that he has a copy of it, remember, he has one copy, but there's copies of this stuff everywhere. In whoever had access to it, so I wouldn't be surprised if 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 this was if he was trying to um, put up some legal defense, then his attorneys would certainly have a copy of this. It's, mm-hmm. If he declassified that that information, that would be totally uh, okay because that he's he's the ultimate classifying authority in uh, the government when mm-hmm. he was in office. So, if he, if, and and basically, from what I hear, and it's uh, and I've what I've read. It doesn't take a whole lot for a president to declassify anything. So that's something that, that he can do. So I, I don't know. I, I'm um, the FBI is um, it, it's somewhat unrecognizable to me. I've, I've, I've noticed a change in the FBI and the FBI is a dynamic organization. It constantly changes. It constantly mm-hmm. evolves. It's uh, that was the complaint I heard as a brand new agent Um when I when I came on the job in San Diego, they said the old agent said, "Ah, this job ain't what it used to be." You know, we used to be. You know, there's all so much better back when they were younger. Okay, and you know, and, and these new guys are just screwing it up. Guys like me, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And so, as you get to be a you know, senior agent, you kind of get that impression sometimes. Yeah. But it's uh, but the FBI is is has to constantly change because the world changes and they have to keep up with it. And criminals change, the tactics change, the techniques change. You got to keep you got to keep adjusting to it. And, um, you know, we used to hire certain kind of people. And then, you know, we had different categories of, of, of people where the talents were looking for. And then, you know, when nine, after 9-11, we started going into intelligence more and, and we got more and more and more computer people and they bring in a different type of person. Okay. It's not, you had like, um, the old, uh, the old agents, like, you know, from the, you know, my era, the, like, I would be consider myself uh, 
I was I was not under Hoover, but I was trained under guys who came up under Hoover. And they always told me, you know, and the way Hoover did it, this is the way this is the way we do it. This is the way he had a, he had a system. We had a technique, a policies in place and everything was there for a reason. And and basically everybody knew you never embarrass the FBI. So you better do your job correctly. And don't ever embarrass Mr. Hoover, period. You know, and that was always the thing. So agents were very cognizant of that. I mean, they, they, they would never, ever do anything that would get themselves in a situation where they might find themselves uh, uh, yeah, under scrutiny from J. Edgar Hoover. And so over time, that has evolved. Of course, we went through a couple of bad directors. Um, Clarence Kelly was outstanding, but we had L. Patrick Gray before that. He was corrupt. Um, and then we had sessions and he didn't last long. He had his issues. Uh, his, his problem was mostly his wife, I think. Uh, but, uh, but he was, uh, not a, he was not a, he was not a crook per se. He just, I think he just put, he let his wife, uh, dictate what, what the FBI did instead of being the director himself. That, that's kind of the, that's the impression. I, I, that's just my opinion. That's, uh, because I did some protective details, uh, for him back in the day. And um, it was kind of well known, you know, that, that Alice ran things, the wife. And then we, you know, we had um, Webster was was a, a pretty good director, I think. I did, I, I lot of agents didn't particularly care for him because he was rather aloof, but uh, he seemed like he was honest and and straightforward and and uh, that sort of thing, which is which is what you need in a leader. And um, and then Louis Free was good, uh, but then we started having problems. You know, we got. Uh, who we have after him? Uh, call, call me, you know, not call me, um, Mueller. Mueller was uh, handed, a, you know, a shit show after 9-11. So mm-hmm. I, I give him a little latitude, but he he presided over a complete 180 degree change in the FBI. And that was damaging. It, it we, we threw the baby out of the bathwater. And, you know, at the time, we all sensed it, that we were going too far too fast. And yes, we had to make some corrections to what we to, to fix some of the over oversights that, that we had done during 9-11 and that, that we failed to connect the dots, that whole thing. And there was a reason for that. DOJ had in place this barrier between intelligence agencies and the FBI, domestic and international intelligence, basically the Chinese wall that basically wasn't there, put in place by DOJ. That wasn't entirely, entirely our fault. However, we had we we there was enough blame to go around, and so when you know Mueller changed the FBI completely, um, there were there were people who wanted to break it into two two uh, organizations, an intel and a criminal, and basically all the money is in is in the intel and the uh, uh, counterterrorism side, and so if we would have broke off into a little uh, criminal intelligence agency or criminal investigation agency. You know, doing that, we would have been much smaller. Our budget would have been a lot less. And I think we would have been a lot less effective because of the fact that all of our sources and our criminal sources, they dovetail into the, uh, especially the counterterrorism intelligence, a little counterintelligence doesn't really cross over into the criminal area as much. Uh, you know, when we go after a counterintelligence case, essentially it's prosecuted as a criminal case. But counterterrorism, a lot of the stuff that terrorist organizations do to raise money are criminal. It's criminal activity. 
And so they do a lot of criminal activity. So it's helpful to have a criminal background that you know how to work a criminal case. So you can get, uh, you can work a, a counterintelligence case, a counterterrorism case, because at the, when it's all said and done, it's got to go in a court of law. And you have to go, you have rules of evidence, you have procedures you have to follow. And if you don't have it uh, lined up, it ain't going anywhere. Okay. And that's bad. So I think we, uh, among us old agents, we, we always kind of understood, especially in the smaller offices, if you worked uh, foreign counterintelligence now, Either you weren't, you didn't aspire to be a hard charger. You you were just more of an egghead or a a uh, more cerebral type. I don't want to be disparaging. I mean, you you didn't. Uh, the, I would say you didn't like the streets, but you didn't. The whole thing. I'll put it this way: I, it wasn't that there's was anything wrong with them. It's just that the way I looked at the FBI. This is my opportunity. I'm, I'm working with cops. I'm working the streets. I'm kicking in doors. I'm making arrests. I'm putting bad guys in jail. And I think that's what most FBI agents like to do. Now, a lot of them, you know, we do it different ways. I had, a, I worked white collar for a short time, it was a public corruption. And, you know, we work, you know, working all kinds of investigations into, into public corruption. I maybe had two or two, maybe two or maybe three, I don't know, convictions in three years or two and a half years. I mean, it's just not fast paced and it's not a lot of action. Okay. But it's that vital work and you have to put together a case and you have to take it to your attorney's office and you have to go to trial and you have to have hearings and all these things, all these things that go that part and parcel of criminal investigative work. I think we got when, like I said, when Mueller was, was director, things got kind of wonky and, and we kind of went, you know, we swung the pendulum swung whale. Okay. And we suddenly were all about intelligence and there was very little emphasis on investigation. So we had, we hired all these analysts. It was downright embarrassing with some of the crap they were coming up with. We had, we had hired a ton of analysts instead of doing it like DEA does where these analysts were, you know, well, they do that. They do this to some degree now, but when we first started, it was, it was embarrassing what these analysts were coming up with. They would come up with most crackpot ideas and they're trying to teach eight or tell agents how to work their cases. And it's ridiculous. It was, it, it, we're out there on the street. We're gathering the intelligence. Okay. We are talking to people, getting the information, and then putting it in the system. They take it and they put it all together and then they analyze it and they try to. The, their job is to connect the dots with other things. That's the thing we're missing in 9 11, right? That's their job is to connect the dots. Well, they, they overstep often and they say, well, I, I've connected the dots, and this is what we th- I think is going on, or we think is going on. And they couldn't be further from the truth. They were some of the uh, some of the stuff that was put out, like after nine eleven. Uh, that I heard, I heard was we were a laughing stock at CIA. I mean, it was ridiculous because they have they have real analysts, and um, DEA has good analysts. I mean, there's a place for these guys, but but. When we first got we first got started, I think we hopefully we got this worked out. Although well, that remains to be seen, but it was uh, I think we were just we just were way overboard, and the analysts kind of started the, the the tail was wagging the dog, and so they were generating the most ridiculous intelligence reports that I'd ever heard. I'm not, I wasn't privy to all of them because I I was here I'm here about things. But, uh, you know, the stuff that was uh, that would that would come across my desk would be something that 
they're saying, uh, you know, well, I've got uh, we've, we've got this uh, threat out there that we we identified. We want you to canvas logical sources, something we always do. We go talk if you have somebody that you think, hey, might know something about this, you go talk to them and ask them about it. And that, but any and some of the stuff they came up with was just ridiculous. And so, you know, in my era, we didn't have a lot of respect for the analysts until we worked with worth working for a while. And the ones that worked on the criminal squads. My God, those got some of them were great. Some of them weren't so good, uh, but but the ones I worked with were excellent. They put they put cases together. They assisted you in putting your case together. They 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 ran some of the details down for you, helped you put your case together. It was it was uh, and and you know it really was a good system, and, and at least from a criminal stand criminal investigative standpoint. And so, but like I said, we first got started in nine eleven. You know. Uh, we just went too far. We, 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 we had a lot of growing pains after that or ungrowing or expanding pains. I don't know what you want to call it. And, you know, Mueller, he didn't love him or hate him. He, um, he was kind of a guy that did things. He took, he took counsel, but then he did things his way. That's what a leader should do. But when you tell him this is a bad idea and we all think it's a bad idea and we probably shouldn't really do it, and then he does it anyway. So I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 there's a, there's a, there's a lot of people who are not fans of him. I'm kind of in the middle on it. I've met him personally. I, I, I was on a committee where we worked with him. Uh, I didn't talk to him a lot. I mean, I'd meet him a couple times a year and, and, and that'd be it. But it's, uh, but he, he seemed like a genuinely nice guy, a, a good man, but um, with the way he uh, handled the FBI, it was no. It, there was a lot of people thought he made a lot of mistakes, you know. So, uh, like I said, Louis Free was a good director, and then and then we got Comey, and he was a disaster. And and Christopher Ray, I just don't know about him. I mean, he showed me absolutely nothing, and I was waiting for somebody to come in and kind of straighten the bureau out. I've seen nothing so far, uh, or heard nothing. I've heard nothing from anybody that's on the job that. They kind of like him, but but even them, when they first came on, they go, well, they, when Comey first came on, the agents liked him. But then they quickly realized that, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a political hack. And then um, and then when uh, Ray comes on, everybody gave him benefit of the doubt, said, okay, maybe this is what we need. And here we go. It's it's right back where we started from. Seems like nothing's changing, okay? They, the jury's still out on that, but I, I, I'm not seeing anything from this guy. And the problem is, is we... we We've been we've been drawing our our directors from DOJ. Okay, when we got judges, uh, at least we had guys that understood the criminal system. Okay, so I mean, even back, you know, when Webster was was the director, people didn't like him because he was a judge. You know, what's he know about criminal investigations? He's a judge. Well, you know, he knows the courts, and that's where we're fine. We're, we are, we are tested. That's where everything we do when it gets to court, that's when we find out whether we sink or swim. And he knew that and judges know that. And I think uh, having Louis free as an agent and a pro- federal prosecutor as a, as a, uh, uh, and then as a federal judge, I think he was by far the best director we've had in modern history. And uh, you know, we should have got him back is what we should have done. But uh there's you know like i said the directors kind of set the tone 
And uh, the problem is they bring in their people with them and they're not agents and they're not. And we get these guys, you know, from DOJ, they've never worked criminal investigations like like agents have worked them, but they, they do they do the prosecution side and the uh, they all know each other they, and they're all from Washington, D.C. And they're all part of this little club. And it seems like we can't get a separate, you know, just some guy that, that you know, we come in like bring in some former military general or something like that, that, uh, th- that can lead. Cause you know what, you don't really need to know a whole lot about an organization to lead it. Cause you know, there's a, if you, if you know how to run a law enforcement organization uh, or an intelligence organization and, and been specifically a, a, something like FBI, that's kind of a combination of the two. I think you, you would probably, you could probably bring in some uh, former military officer to, to run, run the FBI. You know, you can even even bring in a judge, but the the DOJ is more political organization than the FBI. And the trouble is, DOJ dominates the FBI. Didn't always used to be that way. When Hoover ran things, he maintained his independence from uh, DOJ. Now, if you uh, if you've heard any stories about Bobby Kennedy and uh, Hoover, they hated each other. Mm -hmm. Okay, and uh, and they just and, and they butted heads constantly. Well, uh, Hoover insisted on his independence from from justice, and um, and and uh, and of course Kennedy, rightfully so, said, "No, you work you work under the Department of Justice. You you're going to work for me. You're going to do what I tell you." Well, Hoover didn't see it that way, and so uh, you know it's one thing to do what justice wants you to do, as long as it's uh, all up on the up and up and leave. Okay, and it's not like I'm not saying justice is is. Uh, going out and, and performing illegal activities, but who knows? We'll find out, won't we? It's, um, I know in the past, uh, we have seen where Department of Justice overstepped its bounds. So how, how will this all shake out? I don't know. But it's, like I said, where our director is an issue. Uh, the directors we've had lately have been issues. Uh, the culture of the FBI has changed. It's, it's uh, it, you know, like I said, back in the, the old days, you know, Hoover, when Hoover's influence was still felt, uh, the FBI, you know, we, we, we held our heads up high. We, when we, we made sure that we, we, we lived the, uh, the, the fidelity, integrity, bravery, uh, bravery, fidelity, bravery, integrity, I should say. Otherwise it's fib. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> so, <laughs> but the, uh, <clears throat> but we, we, um, we, we really did. And, and everybody held Hoover, everybody revered him. And, um, uh, he had his faults, like every human being, but uh, but what he did for law enforcement in the United States can never be never be compared to anyone else. I mean, he was he brought law enforcement into the 20th century, and and it was in, it was amazing what he did. Did he perhaps stay too long? Yeah, maybe, but uh, you still can't discount what the things he the, the good things he did for this country. And he was a loyal patriot. He, he was fervently anti-communist. Uh, he saw the communist threat. Um, back in uh, you know back in the in the after post-world war ii so he uh you know he's been he's been on top of that in, until the day he died so <clears throat> it's um it's kind of a mixed bag with the fbi i don't people ask me well what do you think about your agency now, nowadays I don't, I don't know what to think i i know um all the good people men and women i worked with all good people None of them would have would have done anything to to violate their oath. Uh, the, uh, the ones I knew, and I, 
And I met a lot of guys in headquarters, you know, bosses, you know, uh, assistant directors. And I never got the impression that any of them were going to do anything that was untoward. I, I know some of them, there was a couple of them. I think they're snakes. They're lying to, to me. You know, they're, they're telling me, uh, you know, we, I, we'd go to a problem. We, we would, I was on a committee. We'd come to them with, with problems that we wanted to fix. And, um, and they were legit. Uh, we were trying to make the FBI more effective. We're, we're saying, okay, agents run into these roadblocks and, and we need to, you know, get the, get rid of these roadblocks and make the easier, the job easier to do, make it more effective. So we can be, we can develop our intelligence bases better. We can, conduct our investigations better. And so this wasn't like, you know, the agents are complaining about, you know, the food. No, it's not that. It's, it's we were bringing things to enhance, the improvements to enhance the mission of the FBI. And by and large, we got a very good ear at headquarters, uh, all the way up the chain of command, because they all, especially if you could convince them that it was indeed an, a, a, a problem, and these problems were were probably not new. Uh, the, the guys that were assistant directors and Deputy assistant directors, they they probably had the same experience when they were working the streets like we were. So it wasn't that hard to explain to them, okay, look, you know, we got this issue, but they wanted solutions. Okay, what do we do? And so we tried to bring solutions to them. And you know what? There were a few guys, you know, I don't can't, I'm I don't remember their names now, but I remember there was a couple of guys that you could tell they're glad handing us. Yeah, yeah, no problem. We'll take give us lip service. We're all, we'll be all over that. And then nothing happens. So come, come months later, we come back, nothing's changed. Well, then we just go right to the, we go over his head, go right to the FBI director. In that case was Mueller. And Mueller, uh, you know, would, would be, to his credit, he would bring some heat down on the on these guys and say, I want this, I want this result one way or the other. Start, you know, get this done. And, and that's, that's what a, a boss should do. And uh, for all the problems we solved, you know, 10 more took their place. So I don't know that we solved that much to tell you the truth, but there's, uh, there were things that we, we worked on and, and we thought we had a handle on. And uh, by the time I left, I left, I retired, these problems were coming back again. I mean, they just, is there's a reason it's a bureaucracy. It is such a, uh, a huge organization and it's, it, it isn't very nimble. It's like turning an aircraft carrier to get it to change and, um, and, and that what I found is when, when we have problems now, if they're getting, I might be getting away from the subject matter a little bit, but just talking in general with FBI problems, we have a problem in the FBI. Everyone recognizes it's a problem. Maybe it's uh, like we had the big one when I was uh, towards the end of my career here was we call it the administrative burden. We were getting, we were getting dumped on with all this administrative crap. We're supposed to do every day, take this training and that training. And, you know, you had to, uh, uh, you know, uh, give this report and that report. And where's all this information going? Who's looking at it? I don't know. But it was it was crushing. You couldn't get out on the street to work because you had to sit in front of your computer and answer emails because or your boss would come out and say, hey, you know, the front office is bringing down my neck on this. Get this done. And you have to sit down and take care of whatever this crap is. And it was, it was, I'm not kidding. It was ridiculous. And so we, we brought this issue to the, the FBI headquarters and said, this is crazy. I mean, I, I, I actually told the director about it and you want to know what we're going to do about it. I said, I don't know. I said, get rid of the computers for as far as I'm concerned, but the uh, computers are supposed to make our lives easier. In fact, they've made our lives harder. They, they do uh, uh, they, because they, they, 
we're chained to them. We get we get hooked to them. We have to stay with them to get information. Where we used to talk to each other, pick up the phone. Now we're if we want to get anything, we got to go on our emails to get it, and it's ridiculous. So it's it's a poor way to communicate in this world where we could communicate so effectively through so many different ways. The most effective communication face to face is the least thing we do. It's and it and it needs to be more of that. And uh, I don't see it in the new breed of agents, but. But, but back to the issues, we, we, we bring an issue in there, we'd say, how do we fix this? So we, people would put in place, we actually did a study, in this case, we did a study, say, okay, what, how much time does an agent spend on administrative matters? And we found it was a shocking 45%. Well, it should be like 10 or 15% tops. Five would be more my like, but that, that's how much time an agent was spending doing non-investigative stuff. Now, these are investigators who are doing non-investigative stuff, okay? <laughs> we have agents in the FBI who are not investigators anymore. Maybe they were at one time, but now they're in some kind of administrative job where they oversee a program or something like that. And they're and those guys, they, they're, that's 100% administrative, what they're doing. But for, for street agents, guys who are out conducting investigations, we're being, getting swamped by this stuff. And so, well, they're going to see what they could do to... to put some things in place to roll some of the stuff back. And they did for about a year. And then next thing you know, it just started creeping back. And so when I left, it was just as bad as it was when, when we first started. So you know, over a three year period, it just got, it went down and then it came right back up. So these problems uh, are, it's usually the same problems in the FBI, no matter what they are, be they some sort of corruption or malfeasance or, you know, failure to, follow procedures or whatever it is it's the same stuff all the time it's just it goes in cycles people don't remember what happened last time and that's why old guys like me going i wouldn't do that if i were you because i remember what happened last time and so uh, a lot of guys who come in young they go they have no frame of reference that's why a senior guy sometimes has to step in and say you know what we've been down this road before maybe we should rethink this and um, and and, th- and maybe it's maybe that's maybe there's a better way to go about it, but that's the nice thing about young people coming in. They bring in fresh ideas. They uh, and that's that that bounce them off us. And if it's something we haven't heard, hey, let's give it a shot. But if it's something we have tried and it didn't work or backfired, then it, we better think long and hard before we try it again. So what happens? Like uh, you know, I've read all kinds of books about the FBI where we. We did stuff like uh, during COINTELPRO, uh, warrantless searches and things like that, clear violations, violations of the Fourth Amendment. Again, done under the guise of, well, this there was a national security emergency. That's why we had to do it. And yeah, that maybe you could make that argument uh, for some cases. But what always happens with that is that somebody says, well, that's a that's a uh, that's legitimate in this case. But you know what? This is also real, real important, and I think we should do it over here too. Well, now you're stretching it, okay? Yeah. And that's how the you know it gets it just gets it gets overused, and then pretty soon you're breaking the law, and there's no justification for it, and that's no good, okay? So it uh, a, a good example would be um, administrative subpoenas we got under the Patriot Act. That was for counterintelligence investigations, counterterrorism, not to be used in drug cases. Well, guess what? It's a lot harder to get a drug subpoena, but it's real easy to get an administrative subpoena. So what do you think agents did? They got administrative subpoenas. Okay, so my, see, I would have probably done that because I thought, man, 
what's wrong with this? You know, but I didn't realize it's illegal. You can't do that. Okay. So that's why somebody who's a supervisor should be saying, wait a minute, can we do this? You know, and usually that's why supervisors have got to be experienced. Okay. They got to have, you know, 10 years on the job, at least. I mean, I, I was talking to my brother in secret service. He said, most of their guys had 10 years on the street before they ever became a boss, you know, and, and I, and I know guys that got three or four years and they become bosses. I mean, what the hell do you know? You know, and that's another problem with the FBI. We don't, we don't have, we don't have seasoned people coming into the management ranks. We're very top heavy. We got a lot, a lot of people at headquarters. Louie tried to, to uh, uh, clean them out years ago. Uh, as soon as he left, they came right back. You know, they, they just expand these, uh, programs massively a lot some of them are necessary but others not so much okay so we have all these high upper levels that are just i don't know what the breakdown is but but it seems like we're extremely top heavy and the more top heavy you are the less nimble you are because you've got so many layers you got to get through the layers are still there okay you know it's the same number of layers per se but the the, the, it goes out this way, okay. The 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 I, I should say the the agency has fattened, so there's now there's more departments and more more sections and and, and all this different thing, a bit more branches because of the you know the the the, the to kind of to crime we're finding and you know we never had a cyber um, uh, security branch before. Now we do. There was years ago we didn't even have a counterterrorism branch. I, when I first came in, we did, we had a terrorism program. But we never had a terrorism branch. Well, it wasn't long after, long after I got in, we started having a counterterrorism branch. And we always had a counterintelligence branch. But pretty much all we had was criminal and foreign counterintelligence. And then over time, those things expanded. You know, now under criminal, you had a lot of branches. And under foreign counterintelligence, you had a lot of branches. But now these things, these are things like counterterrorism is co-equal with criminal and, and, and foreign counterintelligence. So if you got all the it's expanded so it was kind of widened our organization still got one guy at the top but now you got more guys under him and even more guys under him and and as it goes down we've got layer upon layer upon layer and so many of these things intersect with each other and so you've got a lot of chiefs a lot of a lot of chiefs trying to make decisions and not enough indians to do the do the work and it's uh it's it, it is amazing i mean i never when I was working criminal work, I never had a want for anything to do. I always had more work than I could possibly do. And, you know, it was half time, you know, we're supposed to work out like three times, three times a week on the job. I never did that. I had no time during the day to work out. I'd have to do it either first thing in the morning or usually at night. And, and, you know, if you're working late, there goes that workout. And you know, they, 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 they tell you, you know, you know, during the, during the day, take an hour, go work out because you got to stay fit. Well, now they threw the fitness standards out. How does that improve the agency? Okay. I mean, there's just like these, we get, we get all these slobs in here and they can't pass the PT. And so, well, they don't want to keep them. So we lower the standards. So that's what happens. It happens. We see it all the time, you know? So, it, you know, am I, I'm still very proud of the fact that I was an FBI agent. I still think it's one of the most, the most fabulous organization in the world. It, it's, a, it, it's there for the right reason. It does an essential job, but my God, they, they're doing some terrible things that, that are just ruining the agency. I mean, it just, uh, the, 
they, they, from the, uh, you know, the lower the fitness standards and, and the uh, failure to hold people to account and, uh, you know, sweeping things under the rug. And, and you know, they, this, was, this stuff always seems to be a problem. Um, speaking as a street agent, we always thought management uh, gets uh, treated to a different standard when they misbehave than the agent does. And, uh, and that was something that we often saw was the case, you know, because, you know, an agent might get uh, a couple of days off or something he does. And then, uh, you know, but a boss might not get any days off. He might just get a, a letter of censure or something like that. And uh, goes in his file and then he's, you know, basically he can't get promoted for a year. Big deal. You know, I'm not looking to get promoted. I'm just looking to work. So it doesn't really affect my life. But, 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 that, but then after a year, guess what? Since he has been promoted for a year, they just consider that downtime and they, they immediately he puts in for something else and gets promoted again. It just doesn't, it just doesn't seem to have any effect on uh, the upper management. And so they seem to take care of each other. And, and that's, I've heard, I've heard these complaints from other agencies too um, about the upper management. So it's a, and, and that's the thing is we don't have, we don't have leaders. We're a paramilitary organization. And so we need leaders. We don't need managers. And we have a lot of people who are managers and not leaders. And that has always been a problem. I'm, uh, I'm just uh, uh, tired of, 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 you know, repeating the same stuff all the time. But I, you, see, you see the same problems and nothing seems to get better. It seems to get better for a little bit and it goes right back to where it was. And throughout it all, throughout it all, you know, and I went through, I had, I ran into all these problems when I was working. Constantly running a brick wall, brick wall. You, you figure a way to go over it, around it, under it somehow. And you just keep plugging away because we want to get the job done. I mean, any agent worth his salt is going to say, you know, I want to get, I want to get to gather this evidence. I want to get this. I want to talk to this person. I want to get some facts. I want to put together search warrants. I want to gather evidence. I want to put people in jail. I want to get an indictment. Okay, I, I want to go through the process and put somebody in jail. That's what we do. And so we would do anything to, to, to figure out a way to get through it. And the process sometimes is because we have to follow the rules. It is cumbersome. Okay, but we got to follow the rules. And you, it's, it'd be very easy to say, well, what would it hurt if in this, this one time we, we break the rules here? Okay, well, you break the rules once. You're going to break them again. And once you start that, then there's no stopping. And then you get anarchy. So you cannot, you cannot break the rules. You have policies, procedures in place. And we had to know this stuff. And when I was a new young agent, I had a, <laughs> I had a boss. He was a great guy, but man, he was, he was tough. He, was, he, would, uh, he taught me how to write. He taught me bureau procedure. He taught me the, uh, what we call MIOG, our Manual of Investigative and Operational Guidelines. That's been replaced now by DIOD, which is stands for Domestic Investigative Operational Guidelines, something like that. Hell, I forget. But, but he, you know, everything I did had to follow, you know, he, he would look at my case. He'd pull out the manual and make sure I was following it. He'd call me in and say, hey, this, you got to do this, this, and this. He, yeah. And I said, yeah, I'm going to as well. Make sure you do and, and document that. I want that written down. That's what a good supervisor does. They, he stays on top of your cases with you. He makes sure you don't forget something. You make sure you're dotting your I's across your T's because if you don't, then the case might fall apart in court. Or, you know, you, the last thing you want to do is put somebody in jail that shouldn't be there. Okay. 
and, and well, I most of the time, I would say most of the time, but a lot of the time I would conduct investigations. And I would prove something didn't happen despite what the, the victim said or the complainant said. I'd go out and I'd conduct my investigation and somebody's lying. If I turn out, victims lie. People who make complaints lie. Everybody has uh, motives, you know. So um, gathering facts, you know, if you just stick to gathering facts, you'll always find the truth. It's just a matter of, of just keeping at it. But it just seems like it, it's a it's a harder and harder to do that all the time. I mean, it just a, because of all the outside pressures from above, from management, um, not to mention your life, but pressures in your life. You got you're working, you know, twelve hours a day. And, you know how that affect on your family and whatnot. But but you just keep plugging away. And most of the agents I worked with. Uh, and and that throughout my career, all were that type of person. They just kept working, working, working. Because I work violent crime. There's a certain kind of people that gravitate to that, and hard charging people. So they knew that that maybe they they didn't they didn't get off at five o'clock. Now a lot of times we work past five o'clock. We worked into the evening. Maybe maybe all maybe around the clock. It, it it doesn't matter. Whatever it took, we would do it to get the job done. And that was just kind of people we were. But uh, so when we have guys ahead, above us at uh, headquarters who, you know, they, they put in their hours too, I'm sure, but they work, uh, they have different, they have different uh, bosses. So they, their bosses are, I don't know what the hell they're looking for. They, they're all, they're all breathing down each other's necks right down the line. Right. And the biggest thing that a boss uh, will complain about, no matter if he's a supervisor or if he's an assistant director, he doesn't want to be surprised. Okay. Basically, he wants to know everything all the time. So that's impossible. It's impossible to know everything all the time. And so if somebody says, like even a supervisor, or my special agent in charge, who's two, two levels above me, right? Or three levels above me, he may come down and walk right up to me and ask me about something on my case. And maybe I don't know the answer to that. Well, I don't care. I mean, I it's not like, it's not like that doesn't make me a bad person because I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to say, well, boss, I, I don't know the question. I answer that right now, but I'll, I'll give me a minute. I'll find out for you. That's what, that's how you answer that. Okay. These bosses, man, when they found out somebody asked them a question, they didn't know the answer. Oh man, you think it was the end of the world. They come down on whoever they thought had the information. Usually it's whoever's underneath them. And they'd come to like, you know, we're at the bottom. So they come to the agent and say, why didn't I know about this? I said, you know, you know what? Maybe it was, maybe I already gave it to you or you didn't read it, or maybe I thought it wasn't important, or maybe it's not hundred percent yet, whatever. But that's one of the things that, you know, these, these guys are all scared to death of their, about their next, all they're worried about is their next promotion. And the, and the worst thing that can happen is if somebody walks up to them above them and says, what about this? And they don't know the answer to that. And, and the answer to that is, I don't know, but I'll find out. That's what you say. And and that doesn't just because you don't know an answer right then and there doesn't mean anything. And any boss that would look at you like you're an idiot because you don't know the answer to a specific question at that moment, then he's not a good boss. Okay. Now, if this happens all the time, well, maybe you got an issue. But it's everybody's going to have that problem once in a while. But I've I've ranted quite a bit about FBI management and and uh, above and. And I painted the picture that the uh, the agents are are, are blameless, and uh, we were all we do is want to get the job done and work. And uh, I'd say that's pretty much true uh, for the most part. 
but it's uh it, the agents you know yeah we're human we make mistakes um but there's nonsense out there that uh you know we should have refused to do the search warrant well you can't do that if it's a search warrant been signed by a judge you're mm-hmm. bound by law to execute yeah and so it's it's a you know there's a there's a procedure for a situation where you feel something's been done but if there if there's something you feel let's say you did that search warrant and you go you know what I'm a, i you keep asking questions and you're not getting the answers you want you go something stinks here okay we're all investigators we go we, we could smell a rat a mile away and when we ask questions legitimate questions and we get the runaround you start to get the feeling well maybe this isn't on the up and up and so if, if that was the case, now agents just start pressing and asking questions. Now, right then and there in the middle of a search warrant, may not, maybe not the time to do it. But afterwards, I would say, you know what, Why? what about this, this, and this? And because I've done that before on uh, SWAT operations or, some, or, or investigations or search warrants, whatever we do, say, hey, what, you know, what, what's, what's the story here? This, this, looks, this doesn't look right, okay? Usually it's done this way. But we did it this way, which is not the normal way we do it. Why is this? And because we want to know. We have a right to know. And so, you know, the agents, some of them might have, might have had questions, but did they voice them to somebody? I don't know. Um, and, and who did the search? Okay, it was, you know, a, a, the case was being handled out of Washington field office, which is another issue. Um, because it's not really being handled out of Washington field office. I think it's being handled by FBIHQ. I don't know that for a fact because Christopher Ray said after the Trump Russia collusion scandal and, and uh, dossier, the, uh, you know, the, the steel dossier investigation, all that crap, um, they said no more investigations being run out of headquarters. We didn't. That's another thing we never did. But that for some reason that was done that way. And so I think WFO is handling this now. I that's what's supposed to be uh, be going on. So I assume there are agents actually conducting, you know, GS thirteen agents like me, conducting investigations and finding facts and and going forward on that. Okay, based on that basis. Now, the guys who went down there, I'm just speculating, but it, I'm guessing. They were a mixture of probably a couple attorneys that are overseeing the case from DOJ and the FBI. Uh, certainly the investigative agents, like the case agents, the agents that are actually responsible for the case. I'm sure they were there. Uh, there was probably members of the Washington field office evidence response team, especially those that are experts at handling documents. Uh, they were probably there uh, doing all this. So these were, these were people brought in specifically for this uh, uh, search warrant. That's my guess. I'm like I say, that's complete speculation on my part. But the reports are that uh, Palm Beach uh, and uh, Miami offices of the FBI were not involved. So this was strictly run out of WFO. So what that stands for Washington Field Office, meaning it's a, it's a field office. It's not part of headquarters, but it's right there, you know, in D.C. So i i can't like i said i'm i'm still waiting to hear um i actually got a, 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 a email from another agent and asked me why i why i hate the bureau because i send a lot of stuff out going what a wtf you know yeah. what, you know who or, 
since when do we do stuff like this? How we are, since when do we do stuff like this, this way, you know? And, um, and I, I responded back. I said, look, I don't hate the FBI. I love the FBI. I, I it was the, it was a huge part of me. It, it didn't, it didn't, it was a huge part of my identity at one time. It doesn't define me. I, I, nothing like that should ever define you, but it was a huge part of my identity and I enjoyed it. I loved it. I, 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 I so I'm so thankful I had an opportunity to, to be an FBI agent and to work with the kind of people I worked with. That's why I'm I'm just I can't believe what's going on. It's just to sound it sounds bad. And so will we will this work out bad? I don't know. But we have had scandals in the past and we have had to uh step back, uh do put in some reformations and um maybe possibly uh certainly discipline people maybe fire some people maybe prosecute some people but um so far i haven't seen some people that should have been prosecuted prosecuted so that when i see stuff like that i go you know i don't know maybe i don't have the whole picture but maybe i do and there is some some level of corruption there so I don't know. I, I say, I, like I said in the beginning, I don't know any more than anybody else. I'm just, I'm not I'm just, uh, you know, an average guy out here watching the news. The only thing I have is I know what the FBI used to be about. I know what the certain policies and procedures are in place to do things. I, I know why we did things. I also know why when we do things, they appear one way to the public, but actually they are perhaps another way. I'm not saying that's the case here, but there a lot of times the public doesn't understand what we're doing and why we're doing it at the time. It comes out later. This is why we did it. But that's why we have to be on a hundred percent solid ground. Because if we're not, huh, we're gonna get hammered. And when we should, we should be hammered. We should if, if there are people that made mistakes. Mistakes are one thing. You get punished for mistakes. But if you did something illegal, then you go to jail. And I don't care if you're the director of the FBI, you go to jail. And, you know, you've never done that before, but it's a, and, and I don't, I don't think that's going to happen here. But there are things that I think um, during like uh, uh, the, the COINTELPRO is, is the one that I keep going back to. because I, I it keep popping in my head because I was just reading uh, a book about it and um the uh, you know by and large a lot of the guys that were involved in that were uh, told that you know the agents the street agents like me they were told this is what you're going to do you're going to do these warrantless search warrants okay the black bag jobs we called them back then during the during the 70s and you know what you could have made the case in the 70s that this was a matter of national security to get these or these these groups under control they were a threat to the country they really were they were blowing stuff up killing police officers it was bedlam i mean things are bad now but the 1970s is really bad and and believe me in the 60s and 70s it was really bad if you if you want to read a good book um days of rage by brian burrell uh it's outstanding it talks about the the Days of Rage from Brian Burrow, by Brian Burrow. It was an outstanding book about the what went on in the seventies and the uh, the radicals and the, you know the, the uh, anti Vietnam movement and all that. And um, it, it, they they interviewed the radicals 
in, and you know, that, that uh, were involved in it. And they also interviewed the FBI that were involved in it. So you get both sides and you see how, you know, these guys thought and how, why, why they did the things they did. And back then, like I said, you could have probably made that, you could have, you know, been totally justified these warrantless searches, but like anything else, it was effective. So therefore we, we, we kept doing it beyond a certain point and then it became illegal. And um, when you cross that line, you have to, first of all, you got to know where the line is. And every time you, you say, okay, we're going to cross the line here today because of these circumstances, uh, national security, lives hanging the balance, whatever the case might be. Okay. Yes, we're going to cross the line. Exigent circumstances is what we refer to it. And yes, you can, can you can conduct, you can, you can, you can violate the fourth amendment in exigent circumstances. If the, if you think uh, evidence is being destroyed, and unless you go in right now, that's the only way you can keep it from being destroyed. Okay, but that's that's a high bar. It's a very high bar. And then the other thing is somebody's life in danger. If you think there's a kidnapped victim uh, going to be killed, unless you go and you know exactly whether you got a tip, they're here, then uh, exigent circumstances would uh, indicate that you could go in. It had to be a pretty good tip, and you have to corroborate as best you can. But you say you have a child that's kidnapped, being held by a, uh, a, um, uh, a trafficking ring at a motel room. You get a key, you go in. Boom. And you know what? If you find the kid, you rescue the kid. But guess what? Uh, you won't have any evidence that you can use. But, and that's that, But the more important thing is save the life. Okay. And so there are cases where warrantless searches you can do. But um, they're few and far between. There has to be, there's a very, very high bar. So in this case, uh, you know, they did, they got a warrant. And, and so I assume they, the judge felt uh, there was enough probable cause to do the, do the search warrant. So he, he issued the search warrant and therefore we executed it. But if it comes out that there was, you know, miss a uh, wrong, uh, inaccurate information in the affidavit or flat out lies or, you know, uh, they stretch the truth or whatever call it whatever you want if it if there's anything but 100 percent, it's got to be 100 percent facts that are verifiable and no speculation it's got to be 100 percent facts and fact-based affidavit and if it's not then it's going to be a problem so like i said it I, I'm, I'm i can't wait to read it i really can't and i'm sure it's going to be very long but i i can't wait to read it to see what in the hell they were up to but you know, serving a search warrant on a former president's residence, what on who, where in the world did, did anybody think that was a good idea? And you can't tell me Biden didn't know about it. If Biden, well, here's two things: if Biden didn't know about that, then then there's a problem in the White House. And there's shame on him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, somebody's withholding information from the president, and you know that's a big deal. And and if and you can't tell me that the chief of staff at the very least knew what was happening because that has huge ramifications for the White House and, and the Biden administration. You can't tell me. Can, okay, can you imagine if the FBI had done this and not told the Biden administration? And if you were the president, how pissed would you be that you didn't know this was going to happen? And so even though, you know, he's, you know, quote, unquote, your political enemy and you really don't care what happens to him, you have to, you have to do damage control. 
And so, you know, the, the White House, you know, would have looked at this and go, you know, now what do we do? You know, we have to we have to come up with an, some answers pretty quick. You know, you know, old Peter Ducey is going to be asking, you know, when did the White House know about this? You know, and, and so they better have some answers. So I don't know. I, I was, uh, like I said, I'm, I, I've been just sitting here running my mouth, speculating about this, talking about that. But um, I don't know if I, if, I, if I answered anything for you, if I given you any insight. I don't know. I, I, yes, yes, you have. You've given me. Yeah, I hope I, that I, anyone else could. Yeah. I hope, I hope at least I've been passionate. Yeah, I, I would. I would. I would have cut you off if you weren't helping me out. No, I think. Oh, I, I think I, you've been great. We'll have to. I was. I was going to look and see if was, I wrote down some stuff that I. I think I covered a lot of stuff, but um, one other, one other thing I might say, um, uh, the FBI uh, has been my experience uh, at certainly at the agent level um, is a is a is a police organization, and as a result, police organizations, military organizations tend to lean conservative. Okay, because of the kind of people we attract, we 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 attract law and order type people. Uh, not that liberals are not for law and order, but but it's actually a personality thing. Uh, people who like order are, you know, have have, uh, have there are certain personality traits, and they they uh, you know they, that's the, those are the kind of people that go into law enforcement. Those are the kind of people that go into um, the military. Um, it's funny. A lot of, there's a lot of Catholics and a lot of Mormons in the FBI. That is because that 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 religious training it kind of preps you for being a uh, a police officer, a law enforcement type, and um, it, it's a, it's a you, you come away with a very distinct uh, idea of right and wrong and 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 justice, and um, you know and, and 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 agents especially hate injustice, and we we want to see it done. That's why you know we were so successful in you know defeating the KKK and some of these other you know radical uh, you know. Uh, white supremacist groups, things like that. Um, I'm reading a book about the Aryan nations right now. And it, it's, uh, it's, 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 I, it really makes me proud to see the kind of work the FBI was doing to, uh, to beat these guys back. And so, but what I'm getting at is, is that we, we tend to lean conservative. And now in, in that um, it's a spectrum though, you know, there's a, there's people on the, and, and you know, everybody say left and right, you know, Political ideology is not left and right. It's more of a circle where people in the middle are at the top and then you kind of lean right and kind of lean left. And if you fought, lean too far right and you lean too far left, you end up at the same place at the bottom, which is absolute chaos. Okay, so you so as you go too far left, too far right, you are just as bad as the other guy. Okay, yeah. so it's so, but the, you know, we tend to be in that, uh, we're kind of like, I would say the FBI is kind of like, yeah, center right a little bit, okay? Because of the kind of people we hire, or at least we used to anyway. And um, as a result, you know, you you have um, um, agents that because they have this this real real belief in right and wrong. Um, I can you know I I vote I tend to vote conservative. I never I never say I vote Republican. I never say I vote Democrat. I say I vote conservative because that's what those are where my political beliefs are, and so I vote. Accordingly, and I'm, um, you know, I, I, I'm more. I kind of tend libertarian a little bit, but uh, but I I tend to vote a certain way. And but if I saw if say say I, I I'm a, a I'll say I'm a very staunch Republican, and I'm uh, I have to in, investigate a Republican congressman or senator 
for public corruption. I'm going to investigate that person and I'm going to do, I'm going to let the chip fall where they may. And I won't do any different of a job on him than I would on a, a Democrat because I, I'm, a, I'm a person who gathers facts and the facts will speak for themselves. I'm not out to get anyone. I'm there just to gather information. That's why I don't have a single problem with agents that work for defense attorneys after they retire. So what? You're gathering, you're gathering facts. Everybody go, oh, you, I, I know agents go, you can't work for the dark side. You know, you, you know, we, those guys are, you know, the, the defense attorneys, you know, we were, we had to fight against those guys the, our entire, um, our entire careers. And that's not the way to look at it. They're doing a job. You're doing a job. You gather facts. The facts speak for themselves. And that's that. And that's what you do. You, you just simply gather facts. You put them out there. If a guy's dirty, if he's a dirty Democrat, he needs to go to jail. He's a dirty Republican, he needs to go to jail. The ideology, your particular ideology doesn't, doesn't weigh in, doesn't have anything to do with it. The, the problem I see is that t- people tend to allow their ideology in some cases here recently that we've seen, especially when they come to Trump. You get these people who, um, for whatever reason, <clears throat> they develop this ideology that they hate Trump and, they, and they go, they're going to get him no matter what. Well, you know, it's one thing to be enthusiastic about your case, but you cannot be, get to the point where you, you overlook uh, uh, facts that, that point to innocence, okay, or facts that point away from any criminal wrongdoing, or facts that, that are neutral, okay? You have, to, you have to look simply for facts that prove the elements of the crime you're looking at, and anything else is, is irrelevant. So um, what, what, uh, somebody put it best, um, you, don't, um, you don't possess an ideology. The ideology possesses you. So you find people that that are very, you know, far this way or far left or far right, or, or just are even just a little more kind of radical in their opinions. It's their the ideology, their ideology possesses them. They see everything through that lens. And so they can't be fair arbiters of what of, of facts. They'll they they may start to color the facts a little bit. And that's where you get into some serious problems legally. Uh, you know, you, you know, we're bound by law to present all facts we find, no matter what they say, whether or not they support our case or not, because that's Brady material. You have to provide it. And so if, if you're found withholding uh, uh, exculpatory information, you can be in serious trouble. So that's a violation of, um, of uh, someone's civil rights. So we have to provide the facts as they are. And Agents sometimes pro- gather the facts and they provide them to the prosecution. And from, for whatever reason, the prosecution buries them. And that's not good. But an agent should be aware of that. He should be well aware of that. I mean, because if he's, if he's paying attention to the prosecution, he should know that, you know, there's, believe me, if I came across some exculpatory information, I'm going to well remember that. And I'm going to know how it's going to interact in our case. And I'm going to be waiting for the defense attorney to bring it up because no, any defense attorney worth his salt is going to jump on this stuff. So it's, it's got to be, you've got to be fair. And the problem is right now, I think the American people think the FBI is not fair anymore. And uh, I can see why they think that I just read that, um, survey they did where like 53 percent of americans think that i don't i don't I can't remember was it was it they don't trust the fbi or they think 
maybe was that's what it was that they're they're losing their trust. I don't, actually don't trust the FBI. They're losing their trust in the FBI, and um, and a higher percentage, I think, thought that the search warrant on at Mar-a-Lago was um, Mar-a-Lago. I should say is um, was politically motivated. And of course, who who did the search warrant? The FBI. So the you know the FBI kind of even if we were directed to do this by uh, by the Biden administration, which, you know, I don't, I'm not inferring that's the case, but, you know, we would, we would have to do it if there was probable cause to do the search warrant. But if there isn't, then that's a whole new issue we've got. Okay. So we're, we're out doing search warrants on former presidents of the United States without good cause. There's going to be their head should roll. Okay. So I don't, I don't know how that's going to shake out, but, the agents at the, like I said, the agents at the bottom, um, we're the ones that have to, we're the ones that gather the facts. And as, and we, as we push them up the line to our prosecutors and to our supervisors, things can, things can happen. Things can happen. I can, I'm, I'm well aware of that. And that's why we have to, we have to pay attention, make sure things don't happen the way we don't want them to happen. Okay. And, and the, uh, the issue I have here is that, um, I think that there are people at headquarters uh, and FBI headquarters that maybe um, been in headquarters a little too long. They got, uh, we used to call it Potomac fever, where uh, you get Potomac fever, you stay back there too long and you think you are one of the most important people in the world. You're rubbing up, rubbing elbows with uh, senators and congressmen and all kinds of highfalutin people. And suddenly you start to think uh, you're pretty damn important. And you know what? You're just a bureaucrat. And um, you need to step back and remember you got a job to do, and that is uh, you have to you have to do everything by the book because the Constitution says so. You took an oath to uphold it, and that's the biggest thing I think. I mean, people can take oaths all day long, but then they'll justify, you know, doing whatever they're going to do. And you know, I'm sure, you know, um, there's been many a. Uh, maybe a military person who took took the oath to support and defend the Constitution, yet committed espionage. Okay, in their minds, they justify why they do it, so they violate their oath. That happens all the time. But you know, when I took an oath, I I've done it twice, and I uh, I believe and I, I think we should, uh, you know, not violate the Constitution. I swear, I swore to defend and uphold it. And did I do that every single day? I tried to. And did I knowingly go out and violate somebody's civil rights? I don't think so. Um, if I did, I, I was, would, would, would have been, I think, severely you know, disciplined. So uh, the problem is, is that I, don't, I, I just think that the, the rank and file agents are trying to do the best job they can. And they're getting smeared by what's going on at FBI HQ and and I don't know. I don't know where this is going to end up, but um, not everybody at FBI HQ is crooked. Um, there's just some people at the very top. And it's, uh, you know, when you get to the top of that pyramid, it's, it's a smaller number of people. And they can, I don't know, you know, they, 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 they all, we, there's an old saying in the Bureau that in the uh, FBI, when you're down at our level, okay, the, the street agents, we don't have a big picture. Back at headquarters, they got the big picture, right? Well, I don't know what kind of picture they're looking at, but uh, this this whole thing just sounded like a bad idea to me. 
Mm-hmm. And like I said, it, it just uh, how it shakes out in terms of in terms of what you know what will come to light. I don't know. And right now, sunlight is the best antiseptic. We need to find out what was in there. And you know, it, we're, we're this country is so divided that you know we got to put some things out there. We have to we have to start explaining what we're doing and why. And you know, at at some point. You know, I'm, I'm, I've said I'm, I lean towards Trump. I'm not a fanboy. I just, you know, I like his policies. I, a lot of the stuff he does is absolutely cringeworthy. But I just, you know, I, I saw what he did when he was in office. And I go, yeah, that's what we need. We need more of that. Okay. But it, it, the, it, the, to, to, to heap all this abuse on one American is just, uh, it's it just criminal. I mean, and, and so far, nothing, nothing has stuck. And so I don't think that's why I don't believe this is going to stick. I don't mm-hmm. think there's anything that this guy has done that rises to the level of any crime because he's been investigated by everybody. Okay. <laughs> and, and nobody has found anything worth a damn. They make, they make stuff up, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I don't know. I just, I just, one thing I will add, you probably heard about there's like 14 whistleblowers out there, FBI whistleblowers yeah. that are that that's that from all the all different ranks of in the FBI. That's a good thing. Okay. Um we actually are bound by law to anytime we see a violation of law or uh any kind of um threat to national security, intelligence uh operations, anything like that. We are bound by law to bring it to the attention of the Intelligence Oversight Board, and so that that is something that's that's in Congress. And now, how now how this these whistleblowers got to that? I wouldn't be a bit surprised that a lot of them went a different route because the Intelligence Oversight Board is there; it's part of the Washington D.C. establishment. Um, a lot of agents probably would look at that and go. There, that's probably a, a sieve. You know, you, anybody who goes in there is probably going to get whoever whoever goes in as a whistleblower would be revealed right away. I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, thankfully, I never had to do that. But the uh, the there the the fact that fourteen people have come forward is very significant. Also, I might add that every time you hear a leak that is something to do with the FBI, well, guess where it came from. It came from an agent. And if it's something uh, for better or for worse, it's an agent who is who feels one. There's there's different motivations here, but there are agents who who will leak information. People in the FBI, not not just agents. Any There's all kinds of people have access to information. Um, They'll leak it for personal reasons, uh, for maybe personal you know advancement. maybe money. I don't know. I don't know why, but, but to, to divulge secrets, especially grand jury material, I know. So I know an agent who did and was fired uh, because that's against the law. And so, uh, but he was doing that to feather his own nest. I'm not sure what retirement job. I don't know, but he was leaking this to, to uh, uh, journalists. Um, and then there's, then there's agents who do it uh, for maybe better reasons. That is there's a, there's, there's I, I, maybe crimes being committed. Uh, yeah, there could be. And they got to they got to come out and say so, because because but if you can't, if you don't feel safe enough to go to your boss, 
and then his boss's boss and his boss's boss up the chain of command, then your only option is to go outside and go to um, somebody, a friendly person in the uh, in the Congress. Um, some people, as we know, I think the, the uh, everybody remembers Deep Throat and everybody kind of thinks it was Mark Felt. I, I assume it was. It sure does look that way, although he never admitted it. But uh, he saw what was the corruption of the FBI back then. He went outside the FBI, went to the journalists, went to the Washington Post. Um, so whistleblowers are nothing new. Um, they're looked on with disdain in the FBI. But in this case, I think people are going, well, it depends on what the whistleblower's saying. A lot of whistleblowers will come forward and say something that says, you know what? This, uh, this guy is, uh, you know, committing all this stuff, but they're doing it. Uh, maybe they're just trying to cause trouble. Um, that's a bad, bad path to take, because let me tell you something that always comes back to bite the guy in the butt, whoever, uh, you know, was a declared himself whistleblower and came up with false information. That's only going to end badly for that person. But if you know, if you have information that something clearly in violation of law or policy or, uh, you know, norms that, 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 that you feel is serious, then you're bound to bring that information forward to someone that, that you can get to. Now there's, there's, there's uh, several congressmen and senators who are saying, bring that information to us. And like Grassley and, and uh, Jim Jordan, Jordanson, stuff like that. J- Jordanson. Yeah. Jordans, Jim Jordans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and they're, and they're trying to get that information to, so they can get it, get it out there. So, you know, you can't paint the whole FBI as being corrupt because obviously there's been leaks, there's been whistleblowers. They're uh, not not fast enough, as far as you know, to my liking. But um, by and large, it's a good organization. Uh, it's staffed with honest, hardworking people, and as long as they remember their the what the B stands for in FBI, and that's bravery. And, you know, integrity and fidelity is absolutely important, too. But you have to be brave enough when you see something that's wrong. You got to step forward and say, no, we're not doing this. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to tell someone this is this is happening. and It's wrong. That's I think that is that's our duty to do that. So if it meant if it meant uh, you get fired, then so be it. But doing the right thing is always going to be. The proper thing to do and and if you do the right thing you can always get your job back at some point but uh there's because there have been there have been people fired because they they stepped they stepped outside the fbi and passed information along and they were promptly fired because uh that someone felt that they did it for the wrong reasons and uh even though they felt they did it for the right reasons and and maybe maybe they didn't get their job back but then maybe others did when it, when it all got uh sorted out that's a tough call. I mean, you know, you give away your career on government pensions, not to sneeze at, um, that's your whole career. I mean, that would have been tough. That'd be a tough call for anybody to make to, um, to step outside the FBI and tell someone this is what's going on. And I think it's illegal. And I think it has to stop. That's tough, but you know what? And I used to tell my kids all the time because it was taught to me when it's hard, then you know, it's the right thing to do. The, the, the wrong thing to do are easy to do yeah <laughs> but it's the hard hardest thing the hardest thing in the world is to do the right thing and it's the thing you don't want to do 
And so if you, if you go, man, this is going to be a hard decision and I don't want to do it, then you know, it's right. You know, you have to. So yeah. uh, I would, you know, if I could say anything to the FBI agents out there, that's what I tell them. I'd say, you know what the right thing is. You know what the right thing is to do, do it, you know, and, and safety in numbers, the more to come forward, there's nothing they can do. Okay. So I don't know. It's uh, it, it's um, troubling times. I'm uh I get despondent sometimes. I, like I said, I get nonstop, you know, stuff. And then I, I, I don't really ever get really despondent, but I get a little glum sometimes. I go, God, what, you know, what's going to happen? I mean, are they going to split the FBI up? You know, they're never going to abolish it. But I mean, you know, what's nothing good is going to come out of this. So I don't know. I I'm hoping, I'm hoping some kind of reform comes out of it and we get, Passed it, and we've become a better agency than we were. And, uh, and until the next time we screw up, because we will, there will be another time, maybe 10, 15 years down the road, 20 years maybe. But these things go in cycles. But, um, you know, you, you know, you gotta, everybody's got to remember, we're held to a high standard. We're human beings, uh, but we've been selected because, you know, we're, for, we're, it's hard to get in the FBI. You got to be smart. You got to be tough. And uh, a lot of people uh, forget that. And so we're now with, this is when we're going to find out, you know, how smart, how tough are you? Now, this is the kind of thing that when the chips are down, you have to stand up and count it. It's either, you're either do the right thing or you're part of the problem. So I think if uh, like guys like me, when I was in, I would have never had, I would have, because of the kind of stuff I worked, I would have never been privy to anything like this. Uh, I might be privy to maybe uh, a police officer using excessive force or, or an agent doing something, um, you know, uh, paying an informant uh, improperly or something. Those are the kind of things that I would have been exposed to, which, you know, basically we handle, we handle those things instantaneously on the street and say, if anyone, when it's about to happen, we go, no, that this ain't happening. Or if we see uh, like somebody getting heavy handed with a suspect, you intervene, okay? And you, you go, oh, I, you know, calm down. Everybody, somebody's going to step in and they calm down, okay? And that's how we do that kind of stuff. We protect each other in that sense. We keep each other from doing something stupid. And that's what we try to do. Because everybody, believe me, has the capable of doing something stupid. I know I've done a lot of stupid stuff. But um, bottom line is, uh, it, it's, a, it's we're in a time in the FBI that, it's historic. Uh, how we come out of this on the other side of it is going to be is going to have a lot to do with how we handle it now. So, if it comes out that you know there was a, a group of people at at the top of the FBI who were corrupt, and they can be identified and prosecuted or fired or whatever is appropriate, um, then maybe we can put some reforms in place. And then uh, this may not happen again, but you know we'll see. I don't know. It's a, it's a. Uh, I, I turn on the news every night. I go, well, what's going to be tonight? Actually, I don't. I don't watch TV actually. But <laughs> <laughs> I I usually sit for my computer. That's my newspaper. I read it. You know, it's just so I sit down in front and read, it and I, I watch maybe an hour hour of the news at night. But the rest of the time, I'm sitting in front of her and reading emails and. Uh, looking up uh, links that people send me or digging through news feeds and stuff like that. And then I irritate the hell out of everybody. I send them out to everybody. Can you believe this crap? 
of course, you got to spread the irritation. That's right. That's right. Um, well, Don, I think we'll have to do a follow up whenever the affidavit comes out, which right should be today. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, I got. I got to sit down and read it though. Oh yeah, no, you got to get it and you got to read it. But we need to do a follow up when it comes out. But um, aside from that, man, thank you for your time. Thank you for your uh, your wisdom. And, I don't know about the wisdom. I've been sitting here running my suck for what an hour. Huh, but I like it. I wouldn't have you on if I didn't like it. I, if I had you on twice before, I I know what the drill is. I wouldn't do it if I didn't like it. I know. Oh, I've never drill. had a problem talking. I never had oh, yeah. a problem talking. Just well, I usually say I usually say a lot of stupid crap, you know. So anyway, I hope I, I, gets, I hope I didn't. Do it gets better. lost in the eight hundred episodes. It just ball it blends into the crowd. You can say whatever yeah. you want. You'll eventually yeah. just fade into the background. It's fine. That's the well, those those that know me well understand completely. Yeah, it'll. It's it's great, but um. Dude, thank you so much. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you for your patience with rescheduling. And um, no we absolutely need, we'll need to do a follow-up as more comes out about this. Yeah. Thank happy, you so to, happy to be with you. Uh, hell yeah. Thank you so much, Mr. Don Albrock. I'll send this to you when it's up. It'll be up later tonight. 